Our, our second reading today is from Joshua chapter 24, verses 11 through 15. And if you want to follow along, it's on page 240. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girdashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well done, Seb. Anytime you get a Hittites or some other uh, list of Old Testaments, it's always hard. So thanks for reading that out for us. In uh, 2010, it became really common for people to have a 2020 vision. Organisations thought it was a really cool marketing term to think of a 10-year plan heading into 2020, you know, that sort of imagery of 2020 vision, your eyesight, and so it became a, a trendy thing to do. And uh, then in 2015, those who weren't bold enough for a 10-year plan thought, well, now's our time to do our five-year plan heading into 2020. I'm not sure whether any organisation who did a bold 10-year plan or a bold five-year plan predicted what would happen in 2020. I don't think anybody thought, well, we're going to start getting ready for a global pandemic to close everything down. But I think the key is that a, a bold vision is not necessarily the same as fortune-telling or telling the future or predicting the future. When we come together on Vision Sunday, it's not about saying, we know what's going to happen in the future and here's what it is. Vision Sunday is about saying, this is the direction that we feel God is calling us to and we're going to head in that direction. And as we head into the direction of where God is calling us to go, we will find that whatever circumstances actually eventuate, when we hold on to that direction, we're going to be following in the way of God. It's, it's like a, a vision for a church becomes the cornerstone and we, and we lay that down as the cornerstone of a building and that frames the rest of the building from that one cornerstone. It becomes the marker from which everything else is measured. And as you're erecting the building, you're kind of adapting to how it goes, but the cornerstone had set the tone and direction. And so as I talk about Vision Sunday today, I don't want us to somehow think that I'm predicting the future here, or that somehow I'm 
being able to share concrete plans of what we're doing. I'm setting a direction of where we go and everything else will frame around that. And if you like, the cornerstone for us, the cornerstone that we're putting down and saying everything else will be built off this cornerstone is living in the presence of God. Now, there are lots of churches that have lots of cornerstones that put in and I'm not having any go at those churches. They're valid cornerstones for their church. But to kind of quote Joshua, as for us and this household, we're going to choose that the cornerstone we're going to lay down is living in the presence of God. You see, when we chase the stuff that God gives us, we're kind of either impressed or unimpressed with what God gives us. Whereas when we chase the presence of God, it doesn't matter what God gives us because we have the ultimate blessing, which is God's presence himself. When you're in the presence of God, there is no good thing that God could give you because the ultimate thing is himself. That's why for eternity, we'll be dwelling in the presence of God in eternity uh, without denial, without any doubt about that, because that's the ultimate thing. And so our cornerstone is going to be living in the presence of God. We're going to, I'm going to unpack now for us uh, two choices that we have. And the first choice is presented to us in the, in the Joshua reading. By the time we get to this point in Joshua 24, Joshua is becoming an old person. He's coming to the end of his mission. He's coming to the end of his leadership of Israel. And for those of you who, who've kind of been away or, or been your visitor today and you haven't been with us for the last period of time, we've been walking through the, the, the book of Joshua. But the story of Joshua begins in Deuteronomy because in Deuteronomy, Moses is at an elderly age. He's about to die and he gives Joshua this mission to take the people into the promised land. Moses gives Joshua the vision and says, God has told me that you're to enter into the promised land. I don't know exactly how that's going to go. I'm not giving you the military strategy, but that's the direction that you're to head. Be unwavering in that direction and the presence of God will go before you. And Joshua is the one who then has to take them into the promised land. And we've been speaking over the last few weeks about how Joshua does that. And it begins with taking them across the Jordan. And what happens is they cross the Jordan, they, the, the, the river is stopped. And even though the river was in flood, they walk across on dry land. And Joshua then undertakes the, the, the living in the land that God had promised to them. And he gets to this old age, he's about to die, and they haven't quite conquered all the territory. It hasn't gone all as smoothly as one would hope. And Joshua has in, we, we, we sort of skipped a whole lot of the, 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 the bits about the land and what territory they're still to conquer. But notice in the passage we just read out, it, it, it's like they hear that these cities that they're now inhabiting, they didn't build those cities. Other people built those cities. The, 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 the crops that they're now reaping, they didn't plant those crops. Other people planted those crops. There's this sense that 
they've inherited something that God had prepared for them beforehand. And Joshua offers them a choice. He puts before them a choice, and the first choice is to follow the ways of the false gods. Notice there in, in, in uh, the Bible verse that we just read out, he said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether the God of your forefathers beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now reside. I've just been at a, a conference for a couple of days and um, welcome to Bishop Ian and to Jill who have been uh, speaking at that conference. But one of the things that uh, one of the other speakers at the conference, uh, Reverend Dr. Mark Jerry said, he said, when it comes to following the ways of God or choosing to follow false gods and the ways of the world, it's like you're being asked to choose which soccer team you're going to be on. It doesn't matter which soccer team you're on, but you can't score goals for both teams. That's not how soccer works. Even when you kick a goal back into the one that's on your team, it's called an own goal. The point goes to the other team but you're not on that other team. You have to choose which team you're going to be on. And Joshua puts before them, choose what team you want to be on. And he reminds them of all the things, and he reminds them of what happened to Moses and the people of Israelites as they came out of slavery in Egypt. He probably says to them, remember all those false gods in Egypt? Do you know how they thought that those gods controlled different animals? Well, what did our God do? Our God controlled those animals and sent them in plagues over Pharaoh. Remember how some people thought that there was some gods that existed in the water? Well, what did our God do? Our God split the water so that our ancestors could cross the Red Sea on dry ground. Remember the Amorites and the Canaanites who thought that there was a God in the River Jordan and that that river was controlled by that God and that God uh, either blessed or didn't bless the crops in the area by, by the water. Well, our God controlled those gods uh, by holding up the water that was supposedly controlled by the Canaanites' gods so that we could walk across on dry ground and take Jericho. And Joshua is saying, those false gods that were useless, you can choose to follow those if you want to. You're free to choose it. And why is Joshua giving them this freedom? Because back in Egypt, they weren't free. Back in Egypt, they were slaves. Why is the theme, I haven't spoken to you about rest in this whole book, but why does the issue of rest keep coming up? Because when they're in Egypt as slaves, they couldn't rest. So if Joshua says, you all must now follow our God, it'd be like they're back in slavery. And he wants to give them the freedom to realize that they live in freedom and they've got freedom of choice. So he says, if you want to follow those false gods who our Yahweh has shown is more powerful than any of them and actually they're not in existence at all, you can follow those if you want to. And then he says what we often put on a coffee cup or print on a t-shirt or, or, or print and hang it up in our house. But as for me and my household... We will follow the Lord. Joshua is, is putting a stake in the ground and saying, 
our household is going to follow the ways of God. You're free to do whatever you want and your household can do whatever you want, but our household, we're going to follow the ways of God. Joshua reminds the people that there are blessings that go with following the ways of God and that God has been faithful in the past and that faithfulness in the past, that blessing in the past, is the assurance that he is going to be faithful in the future. He is going to bless them in the future. So if you want to be on the side of Yahweh, the God who was over all the Egyptian gods, the God who got them through the Red Sea, the God who was over the gods of the Amorites, who was over the gods of the uh, Canaanites, and has blessed them with his presence right throughout that. If you want to be with that God, then God will bless you in the future. See, Joshua is giving them a Vision Sunday talk. He's saying, he's not saying exactly what's going to happen. He's not trying to predict the future, but he's saying, if you follow God and live in God's house, dwell in his presence, because you have won the victory in the past, you will reach victory in the future. But I think it's important to note that Joshua is not just saying that you're going to have military victories in the future. He's saying if you live in the presence of God, that will be the ultimate blessing. So there's possibly going to be some hardships, there's possibly going to be some difficulties, but in the presence of God, why would you be anywhere else? And so we get to our Emmaus reading because here in the Emmaus reading, notice Jesus offers the disciples two choices as well. The disciples have been uh, in Jerusalem, they've seen all that's happened in the recent weeks, they've seen what's happened to Jesus, but they haven't noticed the resurrection. And so they're despondent, they feel they've lost their teacher and they're on the road to Emmaus. I think it should be noted that where is the action happening? The action is happening in Jerusalem. Where are they heading? Away from the action. Because I think they're downcast, they're despondent. They've lost their sense of direction, they've lost their sense of purpose. And Jesus comes alongside them and says, like, you can stay focused on your despondency. You can focus on your circumstances. You can focus on what you've lost But if you don't want to focus on that, how about I remind you of what Jesus told you? They don't know at this point that it's Jesus. And Jesus reminds them of everything that he had taught them, everything that he had announced to the world about the kingdom of God, about the sending of the 12 and the sending of the 72, about how he'd be with them always, the sending of the Holy Spirit. He reminded them of all of that. He reminds them of all the Old Testament prophecies that pointed to the fact that Jesus would be the Messiah. I think it's really, really interesting. Notice it doesn't say, Luke doesn't say in the scriptures there, he taught them something new and that new revelation was what reminded them to get back on mission. He reminded them of what they already knew. He just awoke in them what they needed to know. And I think we've been speaking about the presence of God and I think it's really easy to see the presence of God in the Old Testament because Moses says it specifically. Joshua says it specifically. But I think in the Luke reading here, we have to, we have to look through the code because it says, 
weren't our hearts warmed within us when Jesus unpacked the Scriptures? That's the presence of God, the Holy Spirit present with them. When they understood the Scriptures, when they understood how God had been revealed through Jesus, they understood that the presence of God had been with them, that's when they understood that Jesus had risen from the dead and that the resurrection was real and therefore it made all the difference in the world and they couldn't remain in Emmaus, they had to get back to Jerusalem where the action was. And so Jesus offered them a choice, focus on the loss, focus on the despair or choose to remember what Jesus had taught them and let that make all the difference. And I think in some ways Jesus offers us that same invitation. We can focus on our loss, we can focus on our despair, we can focus on the things that aren't going well, we can focus on our circumstances or we can focus on the presence of God among us. We can lift our eyes to Jesus and the presence of God through the Holy Spirit even while we're sorting out our circumstances even while our circumstances still might seem overwhelming. And I remind us of of 2 Corinthians where Paul says, when I realised that I couldn't sort it out in my own effort, then I turned to God. So maybe there's something in your circumstances that God's saying, until you turn to me, and focus on my presence with you, your circumstances aren't going to be sorted out. And so I put before you today, on Vision Sunday here at St. Columns, I put before you two choices. Because remember, we, we have freedom of choice. So you can follow the ways of the world. You you know, the the world is crying out for your attention. The world's crying out for my attention. There are so many things that are begging for our attention. There are so many conflicting and contrasting and almost opposite and and, uh, uh, almost self-destroying things that are asking for your attention. The world is asking you to, to get on side with a particular worldview at the expense of all other worldviews. The world is asking you to get into the mess of the arguments that are happening and pick a side. We live in a world that is so polarised and it seems as though we're heading into even more polarisation where active discussion and debate seems harder and harder to have. And this is supposedly in the secular narrative, that's what progression looks like. I don't know about you, and I, but I just find it's, it's almost like every worldview is meant to count, except if you want to believe in Christianity. And then the devil has done a great job because the devil's been able to convince our society that Christianity is offensive. Because I think the devil's really clever because, um, you know, people... The devil tried to get us to believe that God didn't exist. And so if you kind of know through the 70s, 80s, there was this real push that God didn't exist. 
and it was a great story, but that the Bible wasn't real, real, it was just a, a good fable. And that didn't really work. People have a yearning and a hunger for spirituality. And so people are yearning for engagement in something beyond themselves. And so the devil tried a new trick, which is that the that the Christianity is offensive. And so if you are Christian, we'll keep that to yourself. Don't share that with anyone. So a lot of millennial Christians, a lot of uh, Gen Z Christians have actually been trained to think that sharing the gospel is offensive. That's why I think, you know, God bless our young people because it's hard because they've been trained and convinced by our secular society that it's offensive to share the good news. So we've got two options. We can choose that world. We can choose to live in that world. We can choose to uh, follow that world. But you know what? I actually think, I think the choice is actually more subtle than that. Because I think many of us in the room today would actually look at that, what I've just presented with you and say, well, that's a bit of a straw man. That's, that's a kind of an extreme version. I think actually the, the choice that is, is more important for us in the church is this, is this choice that's a, a little bit more closer to what we can tolerate, which is, uh, well, decline is obvious in the church. Decline is the only option for the church. So we'll, we'll keep being Christians, but, but decline is inevitable in the church and we just have to, you know, rally the troops and, and, and rally the ones that we can find. It's, it's what Craig Rochelle talks about, Christian atheism. Where you believe in God, but you actually don't believe that God will build his church when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So it's almost like functional atheism. And that's the choice that's real for us. Because I don't think any of us are going down that other extreme that I put before us. But many of us function in a way where sometimes functional atheism believing that God can't actually work in our world is the narrative that we fall into. But the other option that I present to you today is living in the presence of God. You can choose to be people of hope. We can choose to be people who live in hope. We can choose to live with an expectation that God will deliver on his promise to build his church. We can choose to be people that hope for the future, that see a possibility where the cornerstone that we've laid down can actually be an attractive cornerstone to other people, even though they seem to be choosing the ways of the world. We can choose to be people who believe that God will move in our day and we will see it. We've just wrapped up our Alpha course this week and it was such a joy and a delight to join you with those people on Alpha. And this week we looked at the church and in Nicky Gumbel in week 11, at the very conclusion of the Alpha course, he reminds people who are coming to faith that there are millions of them in our world coming to faith as we speak. There are people in the world that are coming to faith in Jesus and Nicky Gumbel has, has, has said that it's, it's almost at the point where China will be the biggest number of Christians in any country in the world. There is signs of hope if we look for them. There's signs of hope where people are coming to faith and maybe 
at the Alpha course where five, six, seven come to faith in Jesus, we can kind of say, well, that's great, but they're just five or six. But if we put the five or six at other Alphas around Melbourne, it starts to add up to this picture of people who are coming to put their faith in God. When we were in, uh, in May, we were in the UK and we prayed in churches right across the UK. And we prayed in churches that have had a long history of being faithfully presenting the gospel. We were asked to meet Bishop Rick Thorpe in a church. We didn't know which church we were going to at the time, but when we walked in, they had the words of amazing grace printed on the wall. We then found out that that was the church where John Newton and uh, Wilberforce had worshipped and that they had collected people together to fight against slavery. And even though they were considered absolute crazy, they thought that oppressing people in slavery wasn't what the gospel came to do, so they fought for the abolition of slavery and they managed to overturn the slavery laws there. And what a great joy it was to have a Nigerian-born pastor lead us in singing Amazing Grace in that church. And this pastor has now planted a church in a church that hasn't been used for about 10 years and it's thriving with people from the African community who live in London. We can choose to follow one path which says the church is declining, we need to get into a tribe and fight the decline, or we can choose to be people of hope that fix our eyes on what God is doing in the church and fix our eyes on how God promised to build the church. And because he's built it in the past, it might look different in the future, but God is going to build the church in the future. Joshua reminds us that the people of God have been faithful in the past. And this faithfulness of God to the people means that they have the ability to trust him in the future. And that same choice is given to us today. Jesus reminds the disciples that their hope was not lost, but that everything he taught them would continue to help them into the future. They just had to lift their eyes off their circumstances and be people of hope and realize that if they hold on to the word of God and the worship of God, then they'd actually experience the presence of God. And so on Vision Sunday, I offer you this exciting future ahead of us too, where we will see God build the church, where we will see that things that other people might say, well, look at all the decline stories. We'll say, no, we're people who choose to focus on the presence of God and choose to be people of hope. So we're going to run more Alpha courses because Nate's sitting in the front row and he did an Alpha course and he's now on guitar. He's, what, one week out of finishing the Alpha course and he's leading worship in guitar. Praise the Lord. I want more of that. It's, it's um, I acknowledge it's hard work being, being out every week for 11 weeks. I acknowledge that. But when you get to the end of that journey and you see what's possible, why wouldn't we want more of that? So we're going to do two alphas next week. I know I'm asking some people to sign up for next year. <laughs> two alphas next week. Let's get started next week. <laughs> but I think, yes, it's 22 weeks. We can focus on 
it's 22 weeks that we have to give up or we can focus on people like Nate coming to put their faith in Jesus. We can, we can look at, yes, it's hard to give up a Friday night to, to, to act as, as security for, for a youth event, but then when you meet people like Evie, why wouldn't we want to do more of that? So we're going to look at how we expand things for our young people. How do we expand the ministries that we do to children's and families so that all the generations feel at home here at St. Columns? And yes, the young people want to do things a little bit differently. So let's get comfortable at doing things a little bit differently so that they feel at home here rather than try and get them to fit into what we think is what church is all about. We're going to exp- expand our welcome process here at St. Columns um, so that people who come to St. Columns and visit us, because we do get visitors here at St. Columns, that they have a process of working out how they can get engaged and activated and using their spiritual gifts in the life of the church. We're going to expand that in 2024. Uh, with, with Helena's help, we're going to expand the Emmaus Project next year and see how more people can be a companion as they walk with Jesus. We're going to look at how we can use the Saturate program that was a great formation tool this year to see how it might help people in their formation so that rather than fitting into one box like evangelical, they can actually say, well, actually, it's, it's, it's a combination of, say, charismatic and social justice stream that feeds me. So let's get them activated in that. Let's use the formation tool of Saturate and expand that next year so that as people join us, they're plugged into how they can use their spirituality to serve. We're going to increase our prayer time. We're going to see prayer not just as an activity that we do, so please don't hear me saying, come to prayer on, sun, on Saturday morning as a program that you either say yes or no to. But prayer is the engine room that fuels our church. And so it's kind of like when we want to get into the presence of God, then we have to start communicating to God uh, with prayer. And so we're going to offer more prayer activities. And you don't need to feel like you need to come to every single one of them because someone will engage in a prayer activity. I was uh, emailing the parish council this week and, and I was being modest and I said we would have an overnight prayer vigil once a term and then the people who led the prayer vigil said, no, we're saying we're doing it every month. You don't have to be there every month for 12 hours. But maybe like Taps who was coming home for an event at 3am in the morning and thought I'll just drop into the church and pray for an hour, maybe that's what you can do. Maybe you're not out at 3am like taps is, but maybe don't see these things as events that you put on your calendar or not put on your calendar. See these as opportunities to engage in service, service that will bring life to you and life to others, and then through that we'll experience the presence of God. As we focus on living in the presence of God, it's about we want God, not the stuff that God gives us. So I can't guarantee what 2024 will look like. Our strategic plan might look a little bit shaky because we're going to put some things on there and realise that God actually calls us to other things. And there are some things that we didn't put on the plan that God calls us to do. But the idea is we're chasing the presence of God and that's our focus in 2024. And so I invite you to participate in that. When we pursue the love of God 
God shows up. When we seek the presence of God, when we seek to be people living in the presence of God, don't think God is up in heaven just saying, well, impress me a little bit more and when you've impressed me a little bit more, then I'll reveal my presence. When we seek to be people living in the presence of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, expect that God can do things and expect that God in 2024 will be dwelling with us. That will be the ultimate blessing. So I'm going to finish with prayer now. I'm just going to encourage you. I'm not going to ask you to make a declaration. I'm not going to ask you to do anything public. I'm just going to give you a moment. Would you make that commitment that Joshua made? Would you be able to say that as for me and my household, I'll serve the Lord? I'm just going to give you a moment to pray that prayer yourself. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. If you feel comfortable, maybe holding your hands open is something that will be helpful for you. Maybe having your hands rested in your lap so that you're not focused on your hands is something that's comfortable for you. If you would naturally rest with your arms folded, then please do that. Calm Holy Spirit. God, we want more of you. We acknowledge our circumstances, Lord. We we acknowledge that there are things that your plan is still working out and, and, and we're going to be patient while we do that. Maybe there's someone here today who, who that word patient just needs to be your word for today. God's got this covered. Focus on his presence, not on your circumstances, and be patient, and God will work it out. When you focus on his presence and be patient, God will work it out. Maybe that's a word for someone today. But Lord, we also want to serve you. We live in a world that says ultimate freedom is being able to do whatever we want whenever we want, not tied down to anybody. But Lord, we know that your path is that in service we get life. And so today, Lord, we choose service. In whatever way you feel comfortable, maybe in the quiet of your own mind, I want you to pray that prayer of Joshua today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. team to come up but as you keep your eyes the rest of us keep our eyes closed I just encourage you this morning to also maybe think about that invitation of Jesus who's the Emmaus partner that you can partner with maybe there's a face that comes to your mind this morning maybe there's a name that comes to you this morning And if that person's not going to our church, that's okay too. 
I know there are some people in this room who they're on an Emmaus journey with, uh, with someone who's outside this church, and that's fine. That is part of the program. That's part of the vision that we've got for this church. So, Holy Spirit, would you seal in us our commitment to serve you? Would you seal in us this Emmaus journey that we're going to go on with somebody? And would you reveal to us who that is? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.